The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women, sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Arlia. I'm thrilled today, again, to not be alone at the microphone. I am joined with joined by um, a lovely person I've known for a little while, and I'm excited to introduce you to um, because she's She's got a lot to say, a lot of great things to share, and um, I think you'll find um, this conversation fascinating. Her name is Stacy Ruth, and she is unstoppable. She has founded two multi-million dollar agencies and has been among the top 50 entrepreneurs under 50 here in Atlanta, and twice awarded top 100 IT agencies by Experiential Marketer. As a novice entrepreneur, she made nearly every business decision mistake. I think we can all relate. Even as she was doing things the way things are, quote, supposed to be done. Her businesses survived personal challenges, the fallout of 9-11, deep recessions, as she learned how to tap into her own inner wisdom to make faster, more accurate decisions in order to thrive. Today, she coaches other women CEOs and executives on how to grow their influence and impact with bold confidence and clarity. She's the author of Own Your Own Self. Excuse me. She's the author of Own Your Own Shift and her latest book, which we're going to be talking about, Inside Out Smart, is about to come out. It will be available April 19th, 2022. Stacey Ruth, welcome to the Women's Sanctuary. I am so excited. I love the work that you're doing, and I can't wait to talk about how all of this connects. Me too. Me too. I think, you know, you and I uh, realized early on that we both have similarities in this ability to bridge kind of this inner world and the outer world. You are Mm -hmm. very, you know, well-established in the, the business and leadership arena. And clearly you have, you have done an exceptional job of, of bringing that inner awareness to, you know, the leadership realm, executive leadership in the business realm. And then also, you and I have this common design eye for how you, well, you know, in business, we call it, you know, branding, but it's also, how do you, how do you show up in the world? Well, right. But that's a personal brand. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's talk. Let's start with your new book. Uh, okay. It's called Inside Out Smart. What's it about? Yes. Well, you know, it's really funny because it's exactly about what you were talking about, which is that bridging of the inner and the outer, if you will. Um, and and I love that, you know, this is a women's sanctuary because it, it's really bridging our own uh, inner uh masculine and feminine, our rational and our intuitive, our IQ and our EQ, our left and our right brain, you know, all of these, these parts of us that we all have. It's not mm-hmm. about women have intuition and men don't, right? It's not about creatives or left brain or right brain, you know, it's, it's all about being able to create that connectivity Mm-hmm. between our conscious and our unconscious, between our rational and our intuitive, so that we're really using our brains the way they're meant to be used. I, I don't know if you've heard that 
um, I grew up with this. We only use about 10% of our brain, yep. right? Or 5% of our brain. It varied what people said. That's absolutely false. We are thinking all the time. Oh, that's just that. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But 95% of it is unconscious. And we make decisions, 10 big decisions, not the habitual ones, but you know, major decisions we make 10 seconds before we're even consciously aware of it. And all those decisions are emotional. And I mean, that's what the neuroscience says about it. So what I'm doing in this book is helping people understand where their biases and their fears bump up against their intuition, how to recognize it, how to tap into it, and then how to rationally leverage it into action rather than treating it like some sort of woo-woo voodoo that I don't know if I trust it or not. Well, you know, that makes sense because if you don't understand what's going on behind the behind the or behind the eyes or behind <laughs> <Yeah>. the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um just under the surface. Yeah. Yeah. You you can totally attribute it, make up any story you want to to attribute it to what is actually happening and not to discount mm-hmm. the spiritual side of life. But that self-awareness is everything. It it gives you more, more mm-hmm. power. Yeah. And it's really interesting because a lot of um, men and a lot of women in male-dominated fields, like say doctors, engineers, attorneys, you know, they've been having to show up in this hyper-rational world that we've kind of created. Mm-hmm. And we actually have created it in the human history relatively recently, but we Mm -hmm. forgot that we actually created it, right? Um, Women tend to um, uh, push aside and men men executives tend to push aside intuition where they feel like they can't trust it when in fact it's making faster, more uh, accurate decisions when data is missing. And so you're, Mm. you're missing the ability to make effective decisions by discounting one of your most powerful and actually largest decision-making tools. Okay. So let's, let's back up a moment. How would you define intuition? Well, it's, it's really a a fascinating, uh, it's the knowing without knowing how you know. All right. Mm. It's simply to know. And it's not emotional because we say, oh, I've got a gut feeling. So we say emotion, a feeling, right? But it actually has no emotion attached to it. It's not afraid. It's not anxious. It's not excited. It's not happy, thrilled. You know, it just says, go here, do this, say that. It just knows. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. So our ego responds then to it. And, you know, we move into our rational mind and go, oh, that's a great idea, right? Or, ooh, I better check on that, right? So that that's what the intuition does. It gives you the information mm-hmm. and then you go act on it. What it's really doing, it's in our, um, there's a, a lot of research, a recent research about intuition, but it, it's it's throughout our entire brain. It's not just in our unconscious. It's in our mm-hmm. conscious and unconscious. It's not just in one side of our brain. It's in both side, both hemispheres of our brain, right? Um, and it, it has this repository of information and experience that helps it sense patterns and make those decisions. Now, some people like myself, you know, we, I, I, kind of hinted that I'm a a minister, I'm a metaphysical minister. So a lot of people see it, that inner wisdom as the voice of God within. Yeah. Um, Actually, Albert Einstein um, tended to to speak about it in those terms. He was a huge proponent of intuition, just like Steve Jobs was a huge proponent of intuition. You know, they used it all the time, right? But they saw the rational mind as the servant of intuition, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I get the sense that you well, just like anything unseen, it doesn't need to be pigeonholed, right? It doesn't need to be pigeonholed as woo-woo or science. It can be both. Well, uh, it can be it, because we we can't even fully understand it ourselves. It's this it's this piece of us that that we you know that we learn to be in relationship with. Well, and we're not in relationship. Most of us are not in relationship right. with it. And so when we're working on a problem and we haven't done the practice of mm-hmm. building the connectivity between the intuitive mind and the the rational mind, um, it it it's not reliably visible to us because we don't know wh- wh- whether it's, 
you know, intuition or I'm just, you know, fantasizing about something or wishful thinking or what, right? Exactly. So we just don't know. We don't recognize it. We don't trust it. And, and it will show up with some just very bizarre um, information like in mm-hmm. dreams and and we don't know what to make of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So so what do, what do you do with that? How do you develop that? How do you develop it? Oh, glad you asked. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Um, there are, there are, um, tools that you can use and practices you can do to begin building the, um, intuitive muscle is what I call it. It's what we're really doing is we're creating neural pathways, uh, that open up to intuitive insight. Um, and certainly uh, no surprise, I'm sure mindfulness meditation, you know, yes, Dealing with negative feelings. Now, a lot of people um, stuff their negative feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then isn't, other isn't people... that called chocolate? <laughs> it's called a lot of things. <laughs> Shopping. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, well, yes, there's endless ways to stuff those uh, temporarily, right? Yeah. To stuff those negative feelings. Um but some people like to really just roll around in them and attach and obsess over them. And, um, and they get, uh, you know, a little bit of a, uh, dopamine hit from that. Right. Yeah. I feel called out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, But the best thing to do is to start shifting because the intuitive mind is creative. It's inventive. It's curious. It's, um, empathetic. You know, the intuitive mind is a, is a very, forward-looking, a positive um, characteristic that we have, right? So um, to shift those negative emotions into saying, what am I learning from this? So a curiosity. So I, I have people ask questions, you know, where am I headed? How does this align with my values, right? Mm-hmm. When I start doing that and bringing that into meditation and mindfulness, I'm starting to bring forward without attachment to the answer, what my intuitive mind has to say, Yeah. Um, and another thing that people really, um, and, and, and please share this with your listeners, experiencing trauma, and it doesn't have to be huge trauma. Many, 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 many women, uh, probably the majority have experienced some form of trauma mm-hmm. in their childhood or in their adulthood even. And, uh, and we've all experienced trauma through what's gone on in the news and with mm-hmm. COVID, you know, all of this, um, dealing with that trauma is important to, um, open ourselves up to a more, uh, aware state mm-hmm. because when we, we shrink back when we're in trauma, right. right? Um, and, you know, there are other ways, uh, to do, uh, this listening to your body. Your body does speak the voice of intuition, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, so there, there are many ways to do that. The tools that I invite people to use are the meditation practices, mindfulness practices, dream journals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could remember up to 30 dreams a night. I could be writing all day in a dream journal uh, and not be done. Um, everyone dreams, right? Oh, yeah. Um, we could do a whole episode just on dreams. <laughs> You know, uh, and there are a lot of other tools, you know, they're in the book. I talk about them. I I don't, I don't mean to uh, derail, but you can tell I'm excited about the whole idea here. (laughs) Well, your excitement is contagious because I think it's, um, it's, it's intriguing to me to, to, um, to ground Mm -hmm. the, the practice of developing intuition in our reality of data and science and understanding its relationship to our rational mind and the mm-hmm. ego as a servant to in- intuition, all of that resonates with, mm-hmm. with my, my practices and, and what I know. Yeah. And um, I'm curious how you came to this book. Like wh- how a question I like <laughs> to ask is how did you get here? Like, how, how did, did you get you to get the here? point of, of being, of, of, of bringing all that material together? Mm. And um, yeah, let's start with that. Oh, well, I'll tell you one of uh, one of the reasons that I wrote it is because I feel like leaders in general, women especially, of course, as a woman leader, uh, I'm most passionate about helping other women leaders, especially women leaders who are uh, trying to uh, move forward mm-hmm. in a still um, unbalanced 
uh, environment. I'll put it that way. Um, but decisions are a real stumbling block for leaders. I mean, we don't really mm-hmm. teach leadership. We really teach management. Mm. And leadership is about visioning and it's about motivating and it's about uh, really helping not just yourself, but all of those who are with you move forward, mm-hmm. whether that's in your family or in your community or in your business. So so being able to make those decisions very effectively is, is what this book is about, right? And understanding what gets in our way, what trips us up, but also what moves us forward. I wished I had had that when I started my first agency 30 something years ago. And um, I did start it with an intuitive hit, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand how to create that. And I didn't understand how to maintain that and maintain my balance as a leader of an organization using intuition. I now know it. Right. And my and my ministerial studies actually brought that forward in a big, big, big way. But um, I had what I called a mountaintop moment. I ha- I was working for a major organization, hadn't taken a vacation in five years. Mm-hmm. I was working, you know, these ridiculous 80 hour weeks on weekends, all of this stuff. And uh, there was no remote work. <laughs> so I was in <laughs> office all the time. So, so my husband and I, we took our first vacation in five years and went to Sedona, Arizona, which is a, you know, beautiful woo-woo space for sure. Whatever you think about the energy vortexes that are there, it is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. place. And I went up to the airport vortex, climbed up. There were people meditating. I'd never meditated, but I just sat down there and I relaxed because I was moving into that mindfulness state. I didn't know what it was, but that's what I was doing. And I, I could just see 360 degrees around me of the Red Rock Valley. And it was still and it was silent. Felt like time stopped. And then I heard in my head, it's time to go out on your own. Now, I had been terrified of that thought, although it had occurred to me. But this just very quiet, unemotional, it's time. And so I came down off the mountain, literally, and started my business within 30 days. And that was the business that won me top 50 entrepreneurs in Atlanta under 50 and, you know, Mm. all of the awards and everything that you heard. That was, that was that agency, but it was not easy because I didn't understand how to maintain that flow state. Yeah. I want to pull something out because you said you came down from the mountain and you started that agency. Mm -hmm. A lot of people wouldn't wouldn't have been able to execute. How did you get from that moment of knowing to execution? I mean, yes, there's the knowing, right? Just that in your bones that this is this is the next right step. Mm-hmm. But so well, much real, can get in the way. Well, yeah, that 30 days was a pretty uh, in the zone, in the flow. I mean, the hit that I got there um, sustained me uh, through that 30 days. So what happened when I came back, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. Now I will tell you what, my husband was not on board. He (laughs) was terrified. So I had to do what I did kind of, uh, I had to fight for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I uh, named the company, the wow factory, because all the clients at the time were saying, we want that. Wow. We want that. Wow. You know, from the agency. Um, and, you know, I, I went ahead and, you know, branded the business and, you know, I told, you know, my bosses very pleasantly, I'm leaving, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, one of them said, bold move. That's now one of my values is boldness. Um, and before I left, they had brought me over $60,000 worth of business before I even opened my doors. So Mm -hmm. I didn't burn any bridges Mm -hmm. and I had work on day one. Love it. And so I feel like, you know, when it says it's time, you know, I don't have to go into a panic mode. I don't Mm -hmm. have to, you know, certainly getting $60,000 worth of business made my husband. Okay. You know, I mean, it was, but you know, it 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 convinced the bystanders. (laughs) Totally. Right. You know, 
but but it was a real flow state. Now I quickly got overwhelmed by it and mm-hmm. didn't understand the connection between being still, bringing that forward, taking time to reflect. And I I really honestly I became my own worst boss um, for probably about four or five years. We were doubling in revenue every year. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I had See. a tiger by the tail. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned a couple of times um, your minister studies. Tell me about that and and what that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, I knew that something was missing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I had joined a friend at a uh, it's called a spiritual living center, and it's a church essentially, but it it's more of a a universal. Uh, philosophy than that I would call it uh, a theology. And it really combines um, the studies of, you know, um, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, you know, it, it brings the, the core essence of uh, major shamanism, you know, major world theologies together um, into one. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it felt like something that I already knew. And mm-hmm. so I leaned into that and it's called science of mind. The, the, the branch that I, it's very close to Unitarian. They're very aligned. They come from the same origins. Uh, a lot of people ask me if it is um, uh, Christian science. Um, no, but also comes from the same origin, you know? So um but I, I got my my license not through uh, Centers for Spiritual Living, but uh, from the um, um, University of Metaphysics in Sedona. So I came full circle. <laughs> so, um, but but the idea uh, behind it is that uh, things that you will have heard, you know, Deepak Chopra, Oprah Winfrey, they're using that same ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, with, in a lot of the work that they're doing, like her Super Soul Sunday uses mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of that. Wayne Dyer, they all came through that same teaching, right? So that that uh, change your thinking, change your life uh, ideology is a, is a huge um, foundation of it. And so it's about uh, how we speak and how we think is actually what's creating our experience in life. And so, so it's a very take full responsibility for your own well-being, but it also has that I- idea that there is this universal divine mm-hmm. uh, of which we are all part of, an expression of, and participating in. I'm not God, but I'm certainly part of God. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's very aligned with where I am in the women's sanctuary. Absolutely. Um, many, many, many people are really embracing it. And I don't yeah. think it's an idea you can own, right? So so I, I consider myself as a minister, just someone who's who's sharing the information. And, you know, when people yeah. want to insert spirituality into their executive work, I'm happy to support them. And otherwise, you know, we, we meet them where they are. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that because I think it's for those who are ready for something like that. Mm-hmm. You know that's perfect, and then there are others who, who want to stay squarely in the in the business world, and yet some of those ideas are essential because just because we're all human, yeah. essential to thriving and succeeding in that world. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I personally believe that you can talk about spirituality as much as someone's open to, but everything is spiritual in nature because everything is founded on our beliefs. That's spiritual. And our values, mm-hmm. which is also spiritual. It's just how you want to talk about them. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned talking about taking responsibility mm. <laughs> for for your your life. And um, I know choices is one of the topics you talk about. T- talk about the importance of choices and your uh, and your power of choice in life. Well, <laughs> it's a whole that's a whole session this myself. Yet I, another podcast. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll 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 distill it down to what I think the most important thing to know about choice is. We all have it every moment of the day. And the choice resides with us. Our circumstances are gonna happen, right? 
you know, uh, the, the, the relationship with the client goes sideways or, you know, there's a power outage or whatever. Right. And, or, you know, there's not, there's not enough cash flow at this moment to do this thing. That's really important. It, it is all of these things, but I'm not a victim of those circumstances. I get to participate in those circumstances mm-hmm. through my response to them. And I, again, going back to the intuition, that's where I get to be curious. What What's possible here? What can I do given this? What And a lot of people will shut down options and say, oh, well, that's not possible. Initially, I invite my clients to list at least five or 10 things that are possible, maybe not likely, but possible as choices in order to get their creativity going and get out of the stuck mindset. Carolyn Mace, I say this all the time, or at least I feel like I say it all the time. Carolyn Mace says, joy, choice is the highest form of creation. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, Boom, it is. right there. <laughs> right yeah. There. And I always get to choose again. If mm-hmm. I don't care for a choice I've made, I get to re-choose. And one of the biases that I talk about in the book is called, and I didn't make this up, the sunk cost bias. I've invested all this time and all this energy in this relationship or this project or whatever. What do you mean I can just abandon it and do something different? Well, maybe that's, you know, maybe it's time to go out on your own, you know? I mean, that's, that's important right there. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're all taught to, you know, stick with it and stick it out and depends on what the intuition's saying, right? Sometimes that's, that's the correct choice. And sometimes yeah. it's, Maybe you've learned all you need to learn here. You know? You know, it's, it's all valuable. It's all valuable. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another theme that I wanted to pull out was um, in your blog, you mentioned the difference between confidence and resiliency. Mm. Something about how, resi- about how confidence doesn't always equal resiliency. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk about resiliency right mm-hmm. now and from from a <laughs> we're all learning it. <laughs> right. From a neuroscience standpoint, um resiliency is is something, you know, we can learn, which is also true of confidence. We can learn confidence through experience. Um the the idea with resiliency is that we actually can create it for ourselves by going through something that's stressful. We, mm-hmm. we create, uh, it's like building muscle. And I don't mean, I don't mean something that's like, you know, a trauma producing experience, but I, you know, getting up and speaking in front of a crowd or, you know, those kinds of things, which are stressful enough to push us forward mm-hmm. or pull us forward. One of the two, we can create resiliency that way. Yeah. Um, the, the idea behind confidence is I, I don't need the resilience. I'm already capable of doing it, right? So there, a certain amount of confidence will move me forward mm-hmm. and that creates the resiliency. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So the confidence, we'll say that again, the confidence takes you forward and that builds mm-hmm. resilience. Yes. So that that can build resilience. It's not, it, it is one way of building resilience. It doesn't have to be stress or trauma. Correct. Do it. Correct. Confidence can build resiliency and resiliency can build confidence that they're not the same thing, right? I'm not doing this because I'm resilient. I'm doing this and I, it will create resiliency, but because I have resiliency, I'm able to do more. I'm able to bounce back from mm-hmm. an adversity. I, yeah, I, I see it as an elasticity Absolutely. Flexibility, adaptability, all of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have this, this culture that we've created, like, you know, protect people from any kind of disruption or disturbance or take care of them. They're fragile. We don't want them to, you know, I mean, my parents were like, we don't want you to make any mistakes in your life. You know, I mean, parents want that for the kids, right? Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully, I made plenty of mistakes because the, the more, 
that we get that experience, actually, the less hardship later brings us down. So those that have experienced no hardship, when they hit it, it hits them harder. Yeah, there's no there's no resiliency to to Correct. cope. Correct. Yeah. And and so we create confidence in our kids um and in ourselves obviously. Um by not um how do I put this? complimenting, uh reinforcing uh someone for something that is innately theirs. For example, uh, you're so smart, you're so beautiful. That's not as helpful as praising. That's the word I'm looking for. Praising someone for their effort. Mm-hmm. Wow, you really worked hard on that. See the difference? Mm-hmm. The process, the progress, the leaning into it. That's what actually builds confidence. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm relying on my beauty or my innate intelligence to do something then the minute I hit an obstacle, I don't have anything in my toolkit to pull on, to build Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Well, I I mean, that, that's why I think it's important to praise women leaders Mm -hmm. for their power and their insight and their empathy and these things, which we create than it is to praise her for being you know, so smart or so beautiful, right? Yeah. Women leaders need to know that they have the power to create their own confidence and their own resiliency. Absolutely. I mean, and yeah, they need to hear it particularly, but we all need to hear it because we just don't probably don't hear it enough, right? What we're correct. We have a culture that doesn't understand that the innate abilities, um, they're there. That's wonderful. But that we we need to teach process and practice far more. Mm. And so it's not the test that you memorize the answers on. Yeah, that's for sure. And so intuition feeds that, right? It feeds our our process and gives us direction for it. It's right in there with it because um, they did a really powerful study on uh, grade school children whom they taught intuitive skills to. Mm -hmm actually did it using riddles, but uh, so they, they then traced those kids into adulthood. And what they found is because they had those intuitive abilities, which is process oriented, you know, practice oriented, they were better at problem solving. They had less aggression and anger. They were more socially engaged, better relationships, and they grew their professional success faster and further than their control group. That's the power of intuition, right? It's not just, hey, let me make a better decision. It's mm-hmm. let me have a better life. Absolutely. It comes down to that it absolutely does mm-hmm. create results. I hear you what I what I, what I hear in, in that is this level of self-awareness. Correct. It gives you this kind of inner true north about how to yeah. how to be yeah. you. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in spiritual circles, they call it consciousness. In uh, executive circles, in C-suite circles, they want to call it self-awareness. They're essentially the same thing. I need to know who I am, what I'm good at, what my skills are, what my strengths, my weaknesses, what I stand for, what I care about. I, I need to know. And <laughs> we have a culture that doesn't teach that. So Thank I'm you. passionate about teaching that. I love that. And and thankfully you and with many others, that's beginning to shift, right? The whole conversation is beginning to shift towards that. I think it is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I kind of closed the book with this and it kind (laughs) of, it's, it's thrown some people for a loop. It might be what my next book needs to be about, but artificial intelligence, people are scared of it. Mm -hmm. It's one of the fastest growing technologies. I mean, it's just on this vertical climb. I mean, it's here. It's not going anywhere, everybody. Right. What what it's doing, though, is not necessarily putting people out of jobs. I mean, it it might initially in some very basic ways, but ultimately what it's doing is it's transforming the kind of work 
that we as human beings do. It cannot reproduce the intuitive and unconscious mind processes. And so therefore our work becomes more creative, more innovative, more visionary as as a species because of Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, which can do the rational work. So the rational work is not where we need to be focusing. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's freeing us up to do more of that visioning. Which is the majority of our mind anyway. Mm. Isn't that interesting, right? So artificial intelligence is only representing this little piece of our brain. Oh, well, that's great because (laughs) I I, I mean, I love the the picture of of putting AI in a place where it's useful and helpful and not um, threatening. Right. <laughs> or or that we, we have are to be visionary. Right. We have to be visionary enough, practice oriented enough, conscious or self-aware enough in order to be able to capture that. Mm. Mm. Wanted to pull out one more piece. And you said mm-hmm. something about the intuitious intuition pulling us. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about that? Because it's um it's a different it's a different um, it's a different feeling than maybe the way we're directed by something else. Mm. Well, it definitely is within, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a lot of folks that I've talked to, they they get intuitive hits, but they're usually protective intuitive hits, right? Like mm-hmm. I think I left the you know the oven on or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose something. Right. Mm. Um, what, what, and you get that kind of like prickle, like maybe I should go back and and reread that document or something. Right. So, so a lot of people experience intuition in a protective sense. What really is also going on is intuition is about forward movement. Mm -hmm. It's not about going back and fixing something. It's not about protect and defend. It's about the the momentum that moves us into our own personal growth and evolution, in in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of research studies about that, but that's what seems to be coming forward, right? Yeah. So that's why I say it pulls us because it's pulling us forward into our lives. Yeah, I, I love that. It's the opposite of being pushed, right? Being Correct. pushed towards something that... In, in, yeah. by, by something that may not really be you, either outside of you or a voice inside of you pushing you towards something which is not actually Correct. aligned. Right. But I, I can feel this sense of the intuition pulling you. It's almost like you coming back from Sedona. Like you, it wasn't, it, you weren't being forced to do it. You were absolutely, you know, you said you were, you were buoyed by that, yeah. that experience yeah. to just do it. Well, it, it helped me overcome my fear as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, I, often I get from, from audiences when I'm talking about intuition, I get one of two questions. I don't know how to recognize and trust it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is what do I do with the fear? Well, let's do, let's talk about that. What do you do with mm-hmm. the fear? Well, the fear is our ego. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if intuition says start a business and you're like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. That sounds really scary. Where's the money going to come from? Which is basically what my husband was saying. (laughs) Um, Then what we've done is we've shifted out of intuition and into ego, Mm -hmm. into the rational mind. And the, and the ego is also about protecting us, right? Mm -hmm. It just wants, it just wants us to be safe. Yeah. That's all. And our egos can get damaged. I mean, it's really just our personality. If we didn't have an ego, because it gets a bad rap, right? You know, our our ego is the villain. No, it's really not. And without our ego, we wouldn't even have a personality. We'd be like uh, lobotomized, Uh Uh, truly. So so the ego's fine. But when I recognize that I'm experiencing some kind of fear in response to awareness, which is really what intuition is, awareness, right? Then I get to say, wait a minute, let's play a game. Let's get curious. Let's explore not just what could go wrong, 
one of the questions that I have people ask to tap their intuition is what are the obstacles that are Mm -hmm. possible here, right? Well, what could go wrong? That's okay. We need to look at that Mm -hmm. because I can't get resiliency if I'm all bogged down in what's not working. Mm So, so I build resiliency past the fear by acknowledging what could go wrong, but then also looking at what could go right and moving towards what could go right and being willing to go around or over the obstacles, a bit like water. That's why I like the term flow. Um, so, so that I can still follow my intuition and feel like I'm not exposing myself unnecessarily. I, I love the, yeah. Water is such a great metaphor for that and um, mm-hmm. flowing with it and around the obstacles. You know, you have mm-hmm. to see the obstacle to get around it, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I do feel like, unfortunately, because so many women are starting businesses right now, and I've, I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, and I see a lot of women starting businesses right now on a wing and a prayer. Mm-hmm. And Ladies, if you're listening to this and you're one of the ones that's like, I'm following my bliss. I want to follow my joy. I want to do my thing. You know, if, if you build it, they will come. I'm here to tell you, you need a plan B. It doesn't have to be a plan B of going back to corporate or whatever, but you need a plan B because businesses without a plan and a strategy are going to fail at about 80%. About 80% of the businesses don't have a strategy and about 80% of them fail I think there's a correlation there. And and so do what you love, but do it by being realistic about what the possible pitfalls are and making sure that you have a safety net built in. Absolutely. Absolutely. The intuition will will bring the dream, but somebody's got to execute it, right? Within the in the 3D world with a plan and a oh Strategy, yes. absolutely. Yes, yes, and and that's that's just the nature of the beast. That's putting the rational, uh, as Einstein called it, the servant of intuition, mm-hmm. uh, putting the rational mind into service for what the intuition is encouraging you to do. You don't don't go all in on intuition and think it's just going to carry you. You are responsible for taking the action and owning the choice and the decision that you're making to follow it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's been a, such a, a tidal wave in the last couple of decades of this idea of, of following that intuition as a, as a career path, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, the intuition is the career path, Mm -hmm. right? It is the, you know, you go into the healing arts and you use your intuition in whatever field you, you serve people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it's a tool. It's not the path. It's a tool on the path for whatever field. And I love that that you're helping entrepreneurs and particularly women not only make that distinction, but then continue to build that skill, that inner skill of Mm -hmm. continuing to use that in service to, you know, whatever their work is in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it it breaks my heart that so many of these um, folks who are starting new businesses are feeling uncertain. Um, They're feeling a little bit like an imposter, which is, um, you know, entrepreneurs, about 84, 87% of entrepreneurs experience imposter syndrome first, only different. That's the ones that are most likely to experience it. Um, And they... Uh, start looking for someone. And I totally guilty of this when I started my agency, looking for someone to add credibility and Mm. validity to what they're doing. And um, that's all of these folks that are uh, out there on Facebook. Like I've got the answer. It's funnels. I've got the answer. It's LinkedIn. I've got the answer. It's what, you know, and they don't have the answer. And it, you know, approach it with eyes open. You you may be able to learn something there, but it's not necessarily your answer. And that's that's where I really want people to lean more into their intuition and their inner guidance and learn to trust themselves. So would you say that intuition is kind of an antidote to the imposter syndrome? It's part of it. There are a number of things that you can do to overcome imposter syndrome. And one of the first ones is to recognize that you didn't create your own imposter syndrome. It's baked into our culture um, for 
uh, any underrepresented community. They found it first in women, but it's not, it, it's not just women. Um, and it's this feeling like I, I don't have enough credentials. Um, it's not perfect enough. And, and they'll burn themselves out doing this. And that, that you see that a lot in entrepreneurs, just complete burnout, trying to do more, better, faster than anybody else because they feel like they are kind of faking it. So maybe they're being pushed by it instead of being pulled by the intuition. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I I have a degree in mathematics and in the math department, my, I think it was my junior year there. um, The, one of the professors, I mean, this was theoretical mathematics, infinitely infinite infinities, you know, like crazy stuff. Right. And the professor said to myself and the one other female in a class of 15, women don't belong in the math department. This was 1990. Oh my goodness. And, you know, and that, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that you just hear this and, and you feel like I got to try harder. Right. And you report them to the university and the university does nothing. And by the way, now he's the Dean of the department, you know, (laughs) you know, stop putting it on yourself because it's not, it's the culture. And so what do we, what do we do? How do we, how do we work with the imposter syndrome? Well, the first thing is to recognize that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Again, it's that Mm self-awareness. Oh, I do have enough credentials. I am an expert in this area. I do know what I'm talking about and I don't have to make it perfect. I just need to do the next right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Helping others, talking about your feelings in safe space, mm-hmm. uh, learning to speak up. Uh, there are a tremendous number of things that we can do to overcome imposter syndrome. Um, on my website, I actually have an imposter syndrome workbook um, that your listeners may want to um, check out. And so you can find that at stacyruthsays.com slash imposter syndrome workbook. And it's uh, super helpful. Great. Yeah. Well, We'll reference that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's fantastic. I mean, I I don't I don't know that any of us ever stop doing that work with the imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, it, it, one thing that is very important to differentiate is is that it's not just self doubt. But we all experience self doubt anytime we try something new or we're, we're growing. We're going to experience mm-hmm. that discomfort of self doubt. Um, imposter syndrome becomes debilitating. And if a leader of a team or an organization has it, um, they tend to infect the organization with it. And so it's really important to, to weed it out in the individual leaders and also in the organization as well. That's why it's so, a cultural thing. And that's something you do. <laughs> something I do. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, tell us about your, your, your work with executives. Well, I, I, it's funny because, you know, I work with men and women, my, my focus, my passion, and my, my specialty is helping women leaders, uh, especially those that are moving from one level to the next. They may be starting a business. They may be really trying to ramp up their promotion and their visibility within a larger organization. Um, And what's been working at, you know, level A isn't going to take them to level B or they've just been promoted and they're like, okay, wait, this isn't the same game I was winning at, you know, at this other level. So I really help them move through that with, you know, decisions, dealing with, uh, oh my gosh, office politics. And right now, isolation. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are struggling with the isolation. They're feeling out of the loop. Um, And then you've got all of this, interpersonal dynamic going on and understanding how to navigate that and also um, be able to manage the teams as a leader rather than as a manager. Because if you're managing and the team gets bigger, you're going to be overwhelmed fast. Burnout is a big one right now too. That's great work. That's Mm -hmm. great work. Um, So this has been such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. If our listeners want to get in touch, maybe for some coaching or um, to ask a question about mm-hmm. intuition or anything, is how can they get a hold of you? 
Well, I welcome uh, just conversations and, and getting to know where your listeners are at. Absolutely. And I do want to say that if people have a particular situation they think might be helped by coaching or that it might help their organization, um, reach out. I, I am more than happy to devote, you know, a 30 minute call to a particular situation to help them assess whether it's a good fit or not. Um, so they can reach me at, um, Stacy Ruth says.com and that's S T A C E Y R U T H S A Y S.com. Um, there's a contact form in there. That's probably the easiest thing to do. And I'm all over social media, Stacy Ruth says. Perfect. And your book, Inside Out Smart, comes out April 19th. I'm excited. I cannot wait. Cannot wait to see it and read it. I I am so excited for this one. This is um it's a labor of love. So I'm really looking forward to it. You'll get some of some of my my juicy secrets in there too, some of the stories that got me where I am. I think the ladies will relate. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, well, Stacey, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm so grateful you were, you joined us today and um, a joy. It really was. Um, so uh, we will, we will have a, another guest here shortly um, soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you like these podcasts, please like and share and, um, but you can find more of them on your favorite podcast media. Um, the Women's Sanctuary podcast is brought to you by the Women's Sanctuary, offering um, sisterhood and counseling and coaching for women in transition and revolutionary women. Thank you again, Stacy, for being here with me. This is Arlia Hoffman, and this has been the Women's Sanctuary. We'll see you again next time. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa one to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.